Dave. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's been a while. Yeah, I guess in context of the show, it's been in a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah. So our last episode was at uh, in the north. In the north, yeah. Yep. That was a good one. Uh, and this one is one that you're not, you're not actually on, other than you being here right now. Exactly. I'll bookend it. Mm. And then all the guts will be sans Dave. So coming up, we've got a show with Artisan Brewing out of uh, Denmark in WA. Where is that in relation to Perth? South. Okay. Really liked chatting to them. I haven't actually tried their beers. They didn't have any with them at the time. Uh, but Do any come across? No, not chat? at all. Um, okay. So they do mostly small batches, uh, a lot of barrel-aged stuff, a lot of sort of Belgian-influenced stuff. Really good chat, really lovely people. I'm really looking forward to actually trying their beer. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good one. What have you been up to? Uh, I have been in Far North Queensland for 10 days. <laughs> the evil old FNQ. FNQ, yeah. Did you drink any fun beers? Uh, I did, actually. Um, I drank uh, a lot of the blue Cooper's cans. Oh, session That was what we had in the fridge. Yeah, yep. that's pretty good. I don't mind that at all. They sent me a couple yeah. and I drank them when I was too drunk. Yeah. And I really enjoyed them. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the next day well, like, oh, I, mean, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I guess it's the whole um, the holiday, the, the tropical holiday beer sort of experience we talked about with um, Don from Guinness. Um, but I really liked them. Yeah. I mean, I was like in a beautiful spot on holiday, yeah, um, in the perfect weather for it. But that was the sort of uh, the fridge beers that we had. You know what? I actually, oh, again, speaking of that chat, um, uh, I pretty much at all times in that fridge had a few cans of Guinness Draft as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so when night fell and the temperature uh, went down a little bit, I would nightcap a little bit with uh, a pint of Guinness. How'd that go? Really well, hmm. yeah. A lot of times it was too warm for it, but a few times it wasn't, and it was perfect. And um, I keep finding myself looking for those kinds of beers to uh, experiment with locally, and uh, there's not that much around. No, not at all. Did you get to the oh, local? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't all that we had. Uh, yeah, went a couple of times to Hemingway's. Um, super tight beers. Yeah. Like, they were like, they've really found themselves prime location on the marina there and real like really smartly uh, open at 7.30 in the morning for coffees, very present uh, on the marina. Um, they have their smoker on the marina so you can smell it. Oh, Did they, you didn't, not, no, that they, wasn't the, they didn't have that when I was there. Yeah, so like on the deck, they've got the smoker set up and they smoke a diff- something different every day. But like... I walked in there one day and it was a brew day. So the first thing I smelt was brewery smells. And then you walk outside and you get smoked meat smells. And it's just like, who wouldn't go there? Um, yeah. So real I, smart, yeah. I imagine if you've done an early morning snorkeling trip on the reef and then you've come back in the afternoon, you can smell that. What's better, yeah. Because like, that was kind of one of the things I liked about sitting there. Is you're seeing people coming coming and going from their snorkeling trips and Absolutely. such a great people watching spot. Definitely. But um, great spot. Really tight beers. Yeah, their beers are I really, really like I had a really good time there, yeah. Their beers definitely surprised me for how slick or how I guess touristy that operation looks. 
and that's not a bad thing. It's just that you know that that area it needs to look a certain way. Absolutely, and they've got um, they've got uh, like tourists working there. Yeah, yeah. So like that sort of all adds up to what could be low expectations for the quality of beer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, everything like the fermentation was clean across everything. But uh, also even the beers they had on offer outside the IPA, all points towards. Uh, m- mediocre aimed yep. tier- the tourist beers uh, but they were all really great um, they had a couple of different lagers on which I enjoyed both of them a lot a good Pilsner and a good like New World lager their dark lager was really really good and then besides that they had like a a pale an IPA that was pretty good pretty pretty clean pretty aggressive Yeah, yeah really impressed I was really impressed uh, opening up in Cairns. Oh, and also gin. Soon. They did Four Pillars gin flights. Yeah, yeah. That was a. That was a. Not everyone that I went with was a uh, big beer drinkers. So, uh, yeah, there were a few gin flights that went down on that. Um. Yeah, when I remember when I went, and we we're in sort of two groups, and the first group, the biggest group, got there first, and they just they went there. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You you've gone to the brewery ahead of me. Good work. Yep. And That's a positive sign. I said, you know, how isn't it? It was unanimous, like, oh, it's great. Love it. Just, it's a real crowd-pleasing place. Yeah, the, well, the I mean, everyone are. that wasn't a huge beer fan, like, it was a massive success. I didn't, I didn't reckon, because like, I went with my girlfriend's family. I didn't want to put any pressure on anyone. So I didn't even suggest it. Um, someone mentioned it and we went there and it was a big hit. And then we went back again, not even off my recommendation. So um, Yeah, look at that. Yeah, it was a it's a it's a good spot. So anyone that's in Port Douglas uh, or going to Port Douglas for a holiday, and, for sure check it out. And opening up a bigger version in Cannes soon. Yeah, that's um, probably what I would do <laughs> if I was to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Which I th- I think from memory it's going to be and a bigger th- version. I mean, it's it's not small. Yeah, their brew house is small. Their brew house is, is it though? Yeah, I think it's like eight heck or something. Oh right, I, I think th- from the way they present it to the public, it looks bigger than that. I think it's, but it's going to be, oh, I can't remember, twenty five or fifty. Yeah, right. It's going to be like decent production size. So one thing that I was surprised about, like I kept looking into bars around Port Douglas, and there's not much like other support for the local brewery. Um, well, they don't know any town? package. No, but I mean, I, but like, yeah, I, I, I kept looking for 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 tab decals, and there's nothing besides the brewery. So yeah, I thought that was an opportunity missed, perhaps. But um, I mean, there wasn't really much other beer besides that no, in terms of the bottle Northern, shops. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I found mismatch. Oh no, which I was a weird find. Nothing, nothing of the sort. Yeah, we we had Mountain Goat Summer Ale and Cooper's Tins was as adventurous as we could find. Yeah, which isn't that bad. No, I was happy with it. Yeah. Anything else on the old Port Douglas um, Palm Cove? No, I mean, there was a lot of cocktails had. Um, a lot of cocktails, a lot of tapas, a lot of chips. I, like, spent years of my life weaning myself off eating chips. Man, did I crash down back hard into the chip land on holiday. Did you, like, did Steph find you and you were just, like, just chips hanging off the side of your face? Get out of here! You say that as a joke? One of the nights, um, uh, her mum bought sweet potato chips to take back to the room from the hotel bar, and uh, we were having some cocktails there. So Steph said, "You guys, you guys go back. It's busy tonight. Whenever it comes, I'll just bring it back to you." Um, 
and that way you, you can go and relax or whatever and we'll just drop it off. Uh, and the chips arrived and they were regular potato chips. They weren't sweet potato chips. Crazy, because like it took a while as well. Yeah. So we're like, how long is the next one going to take? We said, I'm sorry, but they actually ordered sweet potato chips. They were apologetic and they said, we'll get it done straight away. But you guys just have those chips if you want. I'm like, I guess. I guess we'll have one or two of the chips and then I don't know what will happen with them. And then quick as a flash, the sweet potato chips came out. They post haste. Got, got it sorted. Steph went back, and by the time she got back, all the chips were gone. <laughs> I ate all the chips. Okay, it was delicious. They were really good. <laughs> I love chips. I, I get that now. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so that's why I try to keep them at arm's length. Yeah. Uh, it was tough. It was yeah. tough. Yeah. How you holding up since? Uh, have I had? Chi- I probably haven't had chips since then. I'll probably probably give it a little while before I do it again. But um. They are, they I, I are good. Beat, I they beat are. you within the next couple of days. And I, I don't know if we can talk about what we're doing in the next couple oh, of days. Oh, really? I don't know if it's not under embargo yet or not. I think we can talk about what it. embargo? Like, what would be well, the Well, I think they, they don't like people to talk about it until the beer comes out. No one's, no one's told us anything. We don't know anything. Yeah. Anyway, I beat you at some point. Let's just sail right past that. We're going to. There'll be s- chips this weekend. Yeah, and I 100%. beat you in a. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think the reason why I don't. Um, have them in civilian life is so when they come up in these circumstances I'm fine with it yeah fair enough good strategy good way to live yeah exactly so FNQ was pretty FN good I don't know no it was good okay yeah I don't mess with that I, like, right. I enjoyed that uh, awesome cool let's well, do some artisan chat hey and no I've we'll got some news first oh really yeah I've got three things oh okay I just was thrown off because we're throwing to the past but I guess when it comes out, it'll still be fresh. Yeah. It's like a um, Scorsese movie. It is a bit of Or Tarantino, it? depending on, on who you like the most. True. Is it Scorsese-like? Does he mess with the timeline at all? I don't know. I guess not. I think so. Oh, okay. I was trying to sound smart. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, Ellerslie Hop Farm. Some yes. bad news uh, wow. on the back of my terrible jokes. Uh, so they lost their entire 2018 crop. Sorry, not their entire crop, but most of it. As in... And a lot 90%, of ninety um, percent is probably not a low estimate, but also a lot of um, infrastructure. infrastructure as well. Yeah. yeah. So I did a story for Bruce News um, about that and spoke to the guys there. Um, I spoke to the manager. He looked probably pretty optimistic, which was really cool to hear. They really want to be on track um, for next year's for harvest. Next harvest. Right? Yeah. So basically, they've it's Pride of Ringwood, Pride of Ringwood, Super Pride. Um, Astra and Melba. So Astra and Melba are probably the two one, the two new world ones. Super Pride and Pride of Ringwood are used a lot, even in craft brewing for bittering. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it might have just been in the last chat we had. Um, I think he said he used Astra quite a bit, didn't he? Oh, yeah, Astra, yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, I spoke to him, and I also spoke to Bintani, who handle a lot of hops. They don't handle their hops, but they handle a lot of hops, and both kind of said don't panic if you're a brewer out there um you know things are being shifted around other brewers are offering other things and but yeah it's not a great not a great um, no no situation and it's from my understanding they're they're pretty small and and pretty much a family company so uh seeing someone lose their entire business and and at the most crucial part of the year uh yeah so 
I, I don't know if there's you know going to be any sort of uh, get help Ellerslie get up on their feet kind of a thing at yeah. some point. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on them and uh, yeah. Moving on to also interesting news: trademarks are coming up at the moment again. Did you What's see the latest that, one? Um, there's two that are, I want to mention. Oh yeah, right. I mean, um, one is a big yeah yeah. Go on, start go for go for so. Collins Street Brewery, brewery, which is a contract brewery here in Melbourne, they, uh, I think it's suing whatever the, the correct terminology is, for um, they're, they're taking Lasso into court over urban pale ale, or the use of the word urban. urban. Yeah. yeah, so they have urban ale. Lasso and have urban pale. Both kind of happen at the same time. There might be some crossover in terms of who reaches a trademarks or if. Um, Last I read, let something lapse. I don't know the ins and outs of these kinds and of things. I can't things. think of what the example. I can't think of what the company was, but I think uh, a name using the word urban was registered long before. There's Urban Craft Brewery. I think they're called. They're owned by the Rockpool Group. So the Rockpool Group is not. The Rockpool Group's another weird one. So that's obviously um, Neil Perry's restaurant, but he was bought out by a private equity company that had quite a few restaurants. They have. Um, I've got a couple of German places and like the pasta places. There's a couple in Sydney, these pasta places. There might be one in Melbourne as well. I can't remember what they're called, but they've got quite a few. You know, those big restauranty groups. And then they've got Urban Craft Brewery, which used to be Munich Browhouse. So the Munich Browhouse beers kind of morphed into their brand is terrible. They do the um, every one of their beers is a girl. It's like a funny cliche girl that's a little bit seductive in some way. I think we did we do a show about it or we mentioned it. In one oh, of the we probably mentioned them. Yeah, um, they're the ones that have a, a double IPA and it's like five percent double something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the word urban, I guess, is is it at key here. I don't know if that brewery's weighed in. Uh, it is an interesting move, and, and I don't know the finer points behind it. I guess it's an interesting move in terms of. Last Irene have so much love from the community that a contract brewery that no one really knows about um, could be seen, I don't know, in, down that Thunder Road path where people kind of see them as only setting up to uh, you know, take legal action. Sure. Um, but also, I mean, it could well just be the way that the stories were written reporting it, but... It doesn't seem like it's a robust case for yeah. Collins Street. Yeah. It's probably up for the, the lawyers and the judges to decide. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, if you can take... I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I haven't had any of their beers. I've never heard of them before. Um, they popped up a while ago. Really interesting. Like, one of those... Under what name? Collins Street, whatever? Collins Street, Laneway Brewing. Oh, Urban Power. They had like yeah. three sort of... Wasn't really clear. I think they're kind of locking in their branding now. Right. The the brand looks to me like one of those classic contract breweries where it's there's no substance behind it. By all accounts, though, the the guy behind it is a, a home brewer who's passionate about the beer. I'm not sure if that's come across in any of their marketing. Um, I haven't tried the beer, but reading the blurb about the beer, it doesn't look like it's come across. Doesn't really inspire. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. See how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly one that will um, be followed with keen interest, I think. Yeah. The other one that's come up in the US is 
and the beers available here is the Breaking Bud from Knee Deep. Right. Uh, so the makers of the show, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, unhappy with that one? Sure. Which is reasonable. Yeah. So I think that's... That, that always seems like one of those ones where if you put any thought into that, you go, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably... I could probably name 10 Australian... Definitely. Beers I feel, I feel people far worse. I feel there's not enough consideration put into that sort of thing. Um, the other one going around is the Stone Keystone. Yes, Keystone. Is Lion. that the one you thought I was going to mention? No, uh, no, I didn't know what I thought you were going to mention. Um, yeah. Which is kind of a funny one if people haven't been following it because uh, Greg Cook did one of his classic We're Stone Brewery, We're Outrageous, We're Going to Take on the Big Guy videos. And he, I, to be honest, I think he had a reasonable case because basically what's happened is Keystone have are really focusing on the stone part yeah. of their branding. And is it? Am I right in saying that like it's like this? It's a, visible on the can is the phrase "stone light." Yeah, and I think stone have a beer called Stone Light. Is that right? No, is that no. not right? So it's just the big visibility of the word stone. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but what when Greg was talking, he'd cover up the key with his hand so you could see the stone and. Or even like, I think if you turn the can a yeah, certain way, yeah. you can't see the word can. And I think yeah. on the cases when they're stacked up, they'll just say stone. Yeah. Um, but the legal documents were written very stone-like. And the way they've gone about it isn't very professional. You know, very like, oh, we're upstarts, we're taking down the corporate beer. Did you say it wasn't very professional? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Right, no. okay. Um, so Miller Coors, who own Keystone, have clapped back in a very good um, legal document. There's a really great thread uh, about the the Miller Coors case, the 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 counter case, whatever it's called, defence, um, on Twitter. The Twitter account is b underscore underscore Palfrey Man, P A L F R E Y M A N. Uh, he's a lawyer and he's a home brewer and he's sort of involved in legal issues around beer. And he kind of looked at the, the Miller Coors case and how much it dismantles the Stone case to the point where they're like, we were using this kind of branding before Stone came along. So we're putting forward a countersuit, asking them to cease and desist with all Stone branding because we were there first. Um, somewhat like a little bit trolly, like fuck you guys. Yeah. But also like... Shit, these guys actually make some pretty good points. Yeah, like they might not need to make the points, but if they're going to get poked... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, really interesting thread. Re- read it through uh, if, if you get the chance. Uh, a fun read. The other piece of news I've just dropped from my phone. What have we got there? Oh, the only other thing was Good Beer Week. Oh, yeah. Soon. Um, I don't have anything tangible. I just kind of wrote it down thinking we should talk about it. But yeah. Uh, do stuff. I mean... I don't think anyone listening needs oh, to be Oh, come to our live prompted. podcast. Oh, for sure. The <laughs> Monday night. Event, yeah. The Monday night. Come along to Catfish. It's free. Free event. I don't know if there's beers being poured for free or not, but... Surely if it's free, it won't be, right? Don't know. Yeah, don't know, actually. Uh, we like we haven't been involved in the organisation, um, but Catfish asked us to We just put our names on it to sell a few ticks. Yeah, yeah. Free ticks. Free ticks, <laughs> yeah. Um, and look, to be honest, it's really cool to to get a phone call from the guys at Catfish who I don't think we really know. I've never actually met them in person, or I have, but not as the podcast. Uh, and they 
they've got Melissa Cole coming in and they asked us if we wanted to kind of... So they're doing what's called Good Beer, a section, a new section of Good Beer Week, I'm pretty sure, called Good Beer Mates, yeah. where the catfish are sort of hosting uh, sort of an England, an English t- takeover, a week-long English takeover that goes through different elements um, of the current English beer scene. So they kind of did it with Portland last year. Yeah. So it's that kind of Portland exchange. So I think this but year... But I think it's more... They're, uh, they're focusing a lot more. Yeah, 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 more focused than it was pretty much just like a week-long tap takeover last week, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so we're going to have Melissa Cole on the show. Yeah, and I think Melissa was someone that we sort of like uh, penciled in as a potential guest should the should the chance yeah, arrive. Yeah. And it has on our laps pretty much. So um, yeah, yeah. that'd be great. She, I, I think we're going to be specifically talking about the London scene. Um, no doubt with, I guess, her love of cooking and beer. Um, she's written a couple of books, which she's got a one out and one to come. Yeah. We'll obviously talk about that. And also, um, she is a passionate sexism, sexism in beer. Um, what would you call that? Someone that's passionate about those issues. So, I, I don't know, maybe we'll we'll get into some of those issues and I'm find sure out. I'm sure we will, yeah. Her um, Instagram is amazing for cooking with beer. Oh, by okay. The way. I haven't actually yeah. looked at it. Yeah. Uh, so come along Monday night. I had to turn down a free ticket to an event. You are joking. Uh, what is it? Monday the what would it be? The fourteenth. Yeah. Okay. The Brewers Association in the US are bringing out a chef and some brewers, oh, and they're doing right. an event to kind of showcase what they do. What time um, does we finish? We start at six. This event's at seven thirty. So I don't think we're gonna. Oh, uh, can we can do it pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, this has been great. <laughs> uh, Anyway, London beer, right? What's that like? Oh, yeah. Um, also, shout out to our friends at Craft Beer Writing. Uh, it's not really an official thing, but if you look at the hashtag on Twitter, uh, basically a friend of ours puts together an itinerary, invites everyone to bring along their bikes and their helmets and their responsible hats and bike around um, all the kind of, a lot of the venues yeah. that are doing sort of takeovers and stuff. I think, uh, is it exclusively Pine of Origin or is Maybe, it just yeah, some extra yeah. stuff as well? I think it's yeah. exclusively Pine of Origin. I know they're going to the Tap House though, so maybe there's... Anyway, yeah. But anyway, they'll be going, starting... Starting south, south side, south. heading north. Yeah, so they'll be around Carlton and then north Yeah. Well. Uh, um, from all reports, every year it's pretty good fun. Yeah, so. we went along one year, it was a blast. Uh, there's also like a random rival group popped up one year. It was like they were they were also biking and doing the same thing. So yeah, check out the the hashtag on Twitter, hashtag yeah, craft, craft beer, beer riding. riding. And he's put out the itinerary today. Uh, he's put it on the back of like an old mixtape thing. Perfect. In, in line with the theme with of the theme week. of the show. With the theme of the show, yeah. Anyway, um, good beer week is amazing. Like yeah, yeah. If you haven't got your, I mean, there's already some sold out events. Uh, already some selling fast events. Surely the tickets for our show will be soon exhausted, so snap them up. If All right, Artisan. Artisan, can't wait to listen to it. Did and we say where we are first? Do we need to? Well, people are hearing music in the background. Oh, okay. We're at Foresters. We're at Foresters. I'm drinking an IPA and it's good. Yeah. From uh, Two Birds. Yes, you had the autumn, autumn IPA. IPA yep. I had the um, Fresh Hop IPL from Hargraves Hill, which was delicious. Nice. Really good, yeah. All right, let's go to Artisan and then we'll come back with some Rex. Sure. I'm here with Brian and Julia with Artisan. How's it going, guys? Great. It's good to be here. Fantastic. Melbourne's having a gorgeous day today. Thank you, Melbourne. It is a lovely day. We're at General Assembly, which we 
I think we decided it was Matilda Bay slash CUB kind of influenced. Um, but we've got some Dog Bolter, which long-time listeners will know is a beer that we kind of like on this show. So that's exciting. Uh, now, I'm going to ask a really broad question to start. What is Artisan? Artisan. Well, we describe ourselves as the biggest small brewery you've probably never heard of. Artisan uh, formed only three and a half years ago. Our goal is is to brew Belgian-inspired beers. Uh, we're a big brewery because we brew big beers, and we win big awards for those big beers. Um, but we're really small in production. Last year, we only did 25,000 liters. Um, and uh, you probably never heard of us, too, because uh, we only distribute in WA. Uh, a few times we've gone to Melbourne, uh, to Royston and Alehouse uh, Project, um, but most of our sales are all WA. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, as I was saying to you guys before, that I'd heard of you, and it's the kind of brewery that I wanted to, to drink, but hadn't ever had a chance to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to, to, to finally meet you. Uh, how did... How did Artisan start, and I guess why this approach of doing small batches, Belgian styles? and Yeah, well, um, uh, in 2002, I went through the American Brewers Guild program and uh, to get my diploma in brewing science, and that took me to commercial brewing. And um, when I was going through the school, yeast was one of my f- fascinations. Uh, even being a home brewer, I really didn't understand yeast that much, but... The Belgian yeasts were very interesting to me, very much different than any other yeast in the world. And uh, I was curious about how you can get different flavor profiles out of them. So I started experimenting about 15 years ago and continued on with it, making saisons and strong golden ales and uh, all kinds of Belgian-inspired beers. And uh, so we said, well, let's just stick with that. So uh, when we started brewing, we didn't know what exactly the what would be a, uh, I guess the most um, uh, interesting to people so we said well we won't have any core beers and we'll we'll let our customers and our let us know what we should brew as core beers and uh, now we have two after three and a half years but so most of the things we do are seasonal or annual beers or experimental one-offs you know we're doing sour and barrel beers so we just uh, kind of keep it uh, kind of wild. <laughs> Kind of wild is, is what I like to hear. Uh, so brewed off-site, uh, I can't remember the name of the brewery you brew with. Is yeah. it? We brew at a, um, a local brewery down in Denmark, Western Australia called Boston Brewery. Mm. And Boston, That's right. It's yeah. geographically confusing. Boston, Denmark, and WA. And Boston <laughs> right, exactly. is a name that has nothing to do with a family. Uh, it has to do with a family, not a place. But Boston Brewery is, um, is home to a, an amazing little brewery, and they were tripling in size about the same time that we were getting our license. We originally had plans to put our microbrewery in a winery, which would have been the first in WA to do so. And as anybody who's ever tried to do anything in licensing will know, you can sometimes confuse the officials because they got really confused. And so we had heard about Boston's expansion, and the timing worked really well for us. So we said, is there any chance that we could just slot in and be gypsy brewers? And they had all this excess capacity coming in. They said, absolutely, that would be fantastic for us. So that was a business model that's worked for us. And we've been there over almost three years now, and we have a really great home. So they've really supported us with our growth. So we couldn't be happier. That's quite cool because Boston... They do sort of fairly down the line styles. Correct. Um, 
I think I've had their lager, their rye mm-hmm. lager or rye pale maybe. They yeah. have a rye IPA, which is a really very popular one, but they've just released a sour called the, which is a raspberry goza, which oh, wow. is called Afterglows, and it's fantastic. So we challenge each other as brewers to come up with new things and do barreling, barrel programs because they have a wine, a winery as well. So they have a wine label. So we have access, both of us have access to wine barrels, which is great. So we're, we're very lucky. I mean, it's, it's, we're not competing. And we just really enjoy working together. So it's a really good relationship. So, again, really good place for us to be right now. Tell me about that part of the world. I, mm-hmm. I've never been there. Um, it seems I mean, reasonably isolated. What's the beer love like over there? Well, um, well, Denmark, I know it's, a, it's confusing, right? <laughs> <laughs> tell people I'm from Denmark. And it's like, you don't have a Scandinavian accent. <laughs> but... Um, it's uh, it's cool. It's on the Southern Ocean in WA, so it's similar to Melbourne here, and uh, where you get you know different weather patterns. Um, but it's just a really exciting place. There's uh, great beaches and forests, and and so much space and so many things to see down there. Uh, and it brings a lot of tourists through. Um, and it's only a five-hour drive from Perth, so it's not that far. <laughs> Comparative. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it is a long way. But anyways, but most of our business is in Perth. But uh, yeah, it's a great place to live and and it's growing all the time. And the beauty of Denmark is you're on the Southern Ocean. So you're getting, you know, the most amazing fresh water. So all of the the water that goes in our beer is is collected rainwater. So incredible. And I I really do think it makes a big difference. Mm. And... um, it's a fascinating place to be because it's wine country. You know, it's a lot like Margaret River is, uh, but it's incredibly at the very beginning of that whole journey of, of craft beer. And so we're kind of setting the stage for some other people. There's about two other producers that are getting ready to pull the trigger down there. So awesome. we're pretty excited because we think it'll be a destination. So we can strongly recommend it's worth the drive. How big is it? How big is Denmark? About 5,000 people. So awesome. Yeah. I'm from a town of... Four, three and a half when I left, so I kind of know mm. how that goes. To ha- so I guess to have local producers making things, do you guys get community support from that? Absolutely, and we support the community as well. Uh, last year, after winning the Southwest Beer of the Year with our triple treating, uh, a uh, Belgian triple with mangoes came in at ten point six percent. We uh, a small beer. We won five hundred dollars and um, doubled that. And donated it by brewing a special beer to the sea rescue team. So they were building a new boat uh, for doing a sea rescue. And we said, well, this is a great uh, group to support. So we did that. And, um, and we also get support from the locals as well to get our beers into different functions that they have down there. We just had a one called Local Heroes. It was a big uh, dinner, 100 people, and it was good to show our beers. Going by your accents, I'm going to guess you're not originally from Denmark. Mm-hmm. How did you end up there? <laughs> and where, I guess where did you start out and how did you end up there? Now yeah, that's well, a long story. Yeah, but I guess i keep it short. We're uh, Texans. But um, in 92, I worked for an oil exploration company. It took us overseas to Singapore and then to London. And uh, when I was in Singapore, I, had, um, I was the regional manager. And Australia is part of my territory, and I'd covered anywhere from Perth to Karatha, Darwin, and Brisbane. And uh, Julia had um, worked for a company that uh, her sale, uh, the, I guess it was the president of the company, 
enjoyed in doing incentive trips for the salespeople down to Australia. So that took us to Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth. And so we'd seen the top and bottom end with, within a couple of years. And we said, we could live here. <laughs> so uh, we were looking at it originally just coming in on a tourist visa. But an Australian friend of ours in Singapore said, oh, just migrate. And it was $400. And we did it. <laughs> Seems so easy. So yeah, in '98 they said, "Welcome easy. to Australia." <laughs> so, yeah. Took us two years to get approved, but you know because we weren't sponsored by family mm. or a company, but we came under what's called independent status. But anyway, long story short, uh, we're so glad our friend told us about this little place called Denmark in the Great Southern Wine Region because yeah. we had original plans to come here to do wine. Okay, and that was our original thought process, and then we started looking at the wine business under the covers and we thought mm, single vintage once a year mother nature we're city people and we could brew beer any week we don't have to worry about mother nature so we backed off of the winery and i have an identical twin sister and she went into boutique wine and, right and she and her husband will tell you they probably wish they went into craft <laughs> <laughs> so are they are they back in the states no they're in denmark as well oh wow so my twin sister migrated with her husband they were living in Angola at the time, and it wasn't a hard sell to get them to come to Australia. So they came in uh, a few years after us and followed us, and they went into wine, and we went into beer. So Sli- we're, we're, I'm a beer twin, and she's a wine twin. Slightly um, off topic, what were they doing in Angola? Oil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oil takes you to real golden garden spots of the yeah, world, which yeah. is, that's one of them. But yeah. uh, What's the name of the winery? Can we give them a plug? Oh, I can give them a plug. And it's a great, it's an absolute amazing label. It's, it's a new label called Rising Star. Cool. And they bought a 30-year-old uh, vineyard from one of the top established winemakers, and they're doing really, really good. But, you know, as, as Brian and I both know, coming into craft, the timing was right. The market was ready. People were excited. They were more educated than when we first migrated in 2003. So we feel very lucky to come into a market where people are receptive, Mm. especially women. And I think that's what excites me because there's so much opportunity for not only women on the business side of brewing, but also on the consumer side. And what we do with the Belgian-inspired ales are so food-friendly. They're meant to be shared. They're Mm. elegantly presented and proper glassware. It just absolutely resonates to women. So every time we get an opportunity to introduce ourselves to that market, I think is an exciting time for us. So we're really happy about that. It is an interesting one. I always sort of find wine wine regions, people are, are ready to taste different flavor. They're, you know, beer people are just used to lager. So they anything that's not lager, they're like, well, I don't know what that is. But wine, wine drinkers are comfortable with sav and they're comfortable with very you know four or five different variations of it and they know what region they like um or they know the reason they like and they know the red they like so they're kind of they're ready for that so i guess has has that helped you guys you're absolutely right on that um we were into wine i was mostly into wine uh, before uh, meeting julia and and uh, getting into beer and um i had an epiphany moment i had a beer that someone gave to me and they said, don't think of it as a beer, just put your wine hat on and judge it as you would a, any beverage. And, and I did, and uh, it was banana and clove, and it was really tasty and creamy, and what is it? And the guy said, a Hefeweizen. I was like, a Hefe what? <laughs> <laughs> From and where? That, uh, yeah, yeah, nice German Hefeweizen. So that started my journey into beer. And, um, 
and you're right about the wine that you know a lot of wine people are once you get into it you want to taste different wines whereas beer people got stuck on lager because it is most of what's available on the consumer market so now after uh, brewing saisons for 15 years i'm glad to to know that now most people know what a saison is <laughs> before it was really hard you had to explain the style and the farmhouse how to pronounce kind of pr- it yeah. <laughs> that not all of them are sour and they they can be whatever they are so there's a wide variation but yeah it's, it's really great to be in the business now so julia was you were the beer lover first then is that the always been a beer lover texans love beer but uh, honestly it's it's like most australians you stick with lager and uh, you know that's where you start i guess the the amazing thing is it's a journey and you you know if you want to stay in the lager world that's okay and we understand that and we're not trying to convert everybody but we know that there's a vast majority of people who are curious Mm. and i think what's different about craft is craft beer as opposed to wine Wine can be quite intimidating, and I think that's where craft beer has a real opportunity because we should be more approachable, and it's about an education. It's about a journey, and it, I, I tell women who, who come to our beer dinners, and we do amazing beer dinners because we match all of our beers beautifully with food pairings and champagne glasses and beautiful wine glasses, and they always say, I don't drink beer. I'm like, well, but what beer did you drink? Well, if you started with VB, that's not beer. So we're going to show you something different tonight. So usually by the end of the night when they have a, a beautiful, you know, chocolate stout with a raspberry coulis something for dessert, they're just like blown away. They mm. have no idea. So it's a really um, fun part of that for us to be able to introduce something and, and get people to open their minds to something new and different. And again, Australia's ready. There's no question Australia's ready. And Brian and I are going back to the U.S. in about three weeks' time to a craft brewers conference in the U.S. Awesome. And, of course, the U.S. market is amazing what's happening there by a factor of 10, what's happening here. And why we go back every year is to see the trends that are going to happen in Australia. So we really get a chance to kind of look at a crystal ball mm. and be able to come back here and say, okay, let's start doing more sours, more barrel, and those sort of things. So good opportunity for us as well. And we get to see family too. So. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It is interesting. Uh, we were sitting here uh, just a couple of bars down um, with Guinness a couple of weeks ago and I sort of said to them how much of a problem they've created with beer drinkers mm. where everyone that sees a dark beer like Black Dog while we're drinking now they think it's Guinness and it's going to be quite quite intensely roasty mm. um, and then have the nitrogen and I guess what you're saying you know forget what you know about beer and start again and, and have a dinner with it yeah exactly you know the I can't believe that it's now about seven years that I've since I've been a certified Cicerone, and it's good to see the program now. They're they're uh, proctoring the exams here, and now we have, oh, probably over twenty in Australia now. But back then, it, it was it was a lot about beer education, helping people understand these different styles. I thought if I'm going to sell Belgian beers to people, I need to be able to help them. <laughs> <laughs> and you were the first for Australia. Yeah, that's right. I had to fly to the U.S. to take the exam. That, um, uh, and I didn't have much time to study, uh, but I, uh, I pulled it off and I <laughs> helped some other people. And, and now, but it's good to see that it's great that what the, um, uh, what's happening here now is that it's growing, the program's growing, and it really does translate to helping more and more people understand craft beer. Perhaps, Brian, you should define what Cicerone is. 
in case people I, might I not reckon know. all of our listeners would know. Okay. But, no, but no, let's do it. Let's, why not? Let's, not let's, let, let's, let's hear it from the, the yeah. first in Australia. <laughs> now you put me on the spot here. I <laughs> uh, can't remember. Uh, it was a long time ago. No, I really, um, you know, it was when the program started, of course, they decided that, well, we can't call people beer sommeliers because sommelier was a wine term. And, and um, Ray Daniels, who started the program, needed to come up with. Um, a name and uh, Cicerone was the, the the name and it was it was named after uh, Augustus Cicero, I believe, in Italy, who uh, was a um, was a guide and um, a um, uh, an instructor, somebody to help you uh, in. It had mostly to do with tra- related to travel and as a guide in a city and that kind of thing. So this is a beer guide, is what we are, but yeah. And that's basically what we do. So there's a lot of different disciplines in it. There's beer history and beer styles and beer and food pairings and that kind of thing, similar to what a wine sommelier would do. So it's a great program. So I'm, I'm glad it's uh, growing here. Yeah, it's really cool to see um, a lot of a lot of people I know in the industry that are <coughs> coming into the industry and then their, their companies and their business are putting them through the, the program and it's available them, to them now. And I think I remember reading the article in the Crafty Pint when you first did it. Yeah, um, and I remember right. thinking, oh, wow, okay, someone in Australia has kind of done it. It's probably attainable to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's kind of, yeah, that it seems like so long ago, but it wasn't, you know, it was only like three or four years ago, wasn't it? Seven. <laughs> Seven? Wow, okay, it was slightly longer. <laughs> Time flies. Time when does fun. fly, yeah. yeah. But even, you know, seven years when that was such an alien thing to now they have... Um, the exam in Melbourne, I think, once a year at least. So, yeah, people aren't having to fly to the States, which is kind of cool. Now, yes. let's talk about the beers. We've kind of touched on them a little bit. Um, you've mentioned you sort of your approach is Belgium, Belgian uh, barrel aging. What are you guys sort of brewing at the moment, or what do you have in barrels at the moment that you want to talk about? Yeah, well, we're, we've got an exciting program coming up this year. Already we've got, our, um, we've got a Flanders Red in barrels. Um, we uh, used the same barrels that we did some, some of our famous beers in. We did an Imperial Flanders Brown, and there was a beer called Day of Vond that was done specifically with the Petition Beer Corner in Perth. And um, we're putting our Zen 17 in barrels soon, and that'll be released on um, Belgian, Belgium National Day on um, July 21st this year. Yeah, so we're uh, we're looking forward to that one coming out again. I'm sure all the people that had the Zen 14 will be uh, interested in that. It'll be just uh, in time for for the book, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic sneak Maybe peek. Coordinate for the listeners. launch then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, what we're going to be doing too is more sour saisons. Um, so the Zen seven or Zen 14 uh, started out as an experiment. We said we like the organic acids and the tartness that's natural in a saison that's produced from the yeast. How can we expand that? Okay, I'm, for your listeners out there, I'm not doing any equations or anything like that, but I am going to like uh, probably um, announce a geek alert here that we could get a little geeky. <laughs> I'll put a little but, sound effect in. <laughs> basically, over-pitching and under-oxygenating, um, you can get more organic acids produced. So we did it to the extreme, and we got a little too much. And uh, it was a very, very tart beer, and it needed some balance. So over a session with some Jester King and other beers, we uh, we decided that what the Zen needed was a bit of funk to it. So we added um, 
a specialty yeast from White Labs, which they thought was Brett back then, but it's the uh, 644 yeah. strain. It's the Brett, Brett not Brett. Yeah, <laughs> Brett not Brett, yeah. It's uh, actually due to their genetic sequencing, they found it's a Saccharomyces strain. So, uh, Geek alert. Yeah, so, is that, it, so it doesn't... Um, Brett Trois, is that what? Yeah, it was yeah, that Brett originally, Trois, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so... Um, uh, yeah, we found out that um, that works really well, actually, to give a Brett-like character without actually using Brett. And so we're going to continue to use that. But uh, what we're going to do is uh, do some um, a barrel uh, souring and also add fruit um, to the to the beers as a test with sour saisons. As we know, Berliner Weiss with different fruits and Gozas with fruits have become popular, but we like sour saisons. There's a bit more character from the yeast from those, so it's not just a straight lactic kind of character uh, with those. So uh, we think it's got a, it'll be an attractive option for the uh, the drinkers out there to drink sour saisons that are fruited or spiced. Yeah. You mentioned the um, the triple with mango. <laughs> yeah. Why mango? It was a collaboration. We did it with uh, Celebrations Hamilton Hill and also the Monk Brewery. And it just happened to be that one of the guys from Celebrations Hamilton Hill had a very prolific mango tree in his backyard in Fremantle. Wow, that's so lucky. He said, he, so he <laughs> said, "What can we can we do something with these?" And and they came up with the idea. They had been tasting our Diabla, which is our annual triple beer that we make at one of the local venues, and they um, they said, "Wow, how good would this be with with mango?" And um, we also wanted to add some red berry fruit to give it some more complexity. In the end, we ended up using them um, to give it a little bit of flavor, but mostly for an acid addition. The raspberries were really tart, and we needed to bring down that perceived sweetness from the fruit of the mango. Although the beer finished out completely, it was a secondary fermentation. It finished at around two Play-Doh, so or ten point one point zero zero eight specific gravity. Geek alert. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so it was a really dry beer. Uh, so it had a, a distinctive mango fruitiness in there, and, and the raspberries really lended to give it a, a slight berry flavor, but plus the acidity it needed to really balance out the beer. Sounds like a lot of fun. That it was. was amazing. It was, great, yeah. <laughs> it was a great, great opportunity to work with great friends and do something different, which we had never even thought of. And when we put it into bottle, we thought, Either this is going to be a disaster or this is going to be a home run, as we say in the United States. And, oh, my God, we had no idea when we released it how amazing it was. So very lucky to have that. Is the the sort of WA scene – I get the sense there is a lot of collaboration going on uh, between not only brewers but bottle shops and -hmm. and venues that seem so supportive. Is that something that you guys see as well? Well, Huge, huge thing. And I think that um, it's it's something that really – it's something unique to craft, you know. You don't see it in any other industry, mm. not in the beverage industry, because everybody's yeah. It's it's a very different thing, and and it's fun because one, it brings new ideas to the table, and we had one recently where we did a collaboration with Innate Brewing, mm-hmm. and we also did it with Boston, which was kind of funny because we'd been brewing at Boston for a long time, and we said, by God, it's about time we do a. a a collaboration here and they'd never done a collaboration so it was their first they were virgins but anyway they got through <laughs> it and so what we did was that one was one where because brian and i were always very yeast forward beers we picked the yeast 
Innate Brewing was very hop forward, so they picked the hops, and Boston picked the malt profile. Awesome. And so we all came together with this amazing beer that turned into, a, again, an experimental. It was like, what the? let's just go for it. it and a, we did. It was a Belgian strong red ale. Red okay. ale. Hey, You've yeah. heard of Goldens. You've heard of uh, Dark Ales. But, yeah, this was red. <laughs> and this one became known as a Melange à Trois. So it was a tale of three, and it, it was an amazing beer. And we got a chance by accident to look at it after about six, you know about four or five months, and it had mellow, mellowed. The, the hops were quite dominant when it first came out and when we released it, and now it's mellowed. And that's the beauty of those Belgian base beers is that you get so much nice um, movement of characters when they, when they mm. age over time. And so everything just kind of evened out. And so we, we, we really enjoyed doing that, and, and collaborations is absolutely something we'll continue to do. We just don't have a lot of people are asking, but we, we have to kind of say, well, in due course, <laughs> we're busy people. It's kind of the cool thing about a lot of Belgian styles is even if they are hop forward or, or you know, you think of Orville or um, Duranka for a modern version and so fresh, they're amazing. But then two or three years on the track, they're still amazing for different reasons. And I guess that's, there's so much flexibility in there with the style, isn't there? Well, that's one of the reasons we, um, on our logo, we say vintage ales. And that's exactly why we do that, because we want people to think differently. Belgians lend themselves to aging, and they lend themselves to being able to, to put them away and still bring them out, just like fine wine. And so that's why we really try to differentiate ourselves. And we put it on our label because, again, we're trying to get people to think differently about beer that's only something that you can enjoy in a few weeks' time, and then it's, gonna get a, it's not going to be fresh. It'll be different. It'll be mm. different, but it'll be amazing. You mentioned going to the States and looking at trends, um, and there's this kind of monster of a trend happening now <laughs> with hops and yeast. Is that ever a path you guys would go down, or it's just not something you'd ever do? The New England IPA, if people aren't sure what I'm referring to. NEPA is the <laughs> flavor of the month, and we have no NEPA plans in our future. Do you have any, like, even IPA plans or anything like that, or is it just completely aside no, from what you guys do? Well, we don't have any vanilla milkshake or strawberry milkshake ideas, those kind of things. But, no, we uh, we do hop-forward beers. We do malt-forward beers, yeast-forward, spice-forward beers, sour beers. So in the, the hop-forward beers, we do a Belgian IPA called the Maas. And that's a um, a strong Belgian ale. Um, it's almost red in color. It's it's really uh, light amber. But um, then we add a massive amounts of mosaic hops because it finishes dry. We keep the bitterness down to about thirty five IBUs or so. But then we use two grams per hec- uh, two grams per liter, or sorry, two, yeah, two grams per liter of hops. Uh, dry hopping, so it's a massive amount of mosaic hops go in, and uh, that's what gives the moz its name. And so and we're not uh, afraid of it. And then once a year, we d- we have a program where we go off trail, off yep. piste, we call it. And um, so last year, our off piste uh, version was an American barley wine, uh, based on a recipe that our brother-in-law won gold at the amateur at Perth Royal Beer Show, and it it is a massive. Amen. Also, amount of was hops. a runner-up at the Australian Amateur Brewing. There you go. So, yeah, it was a very exciting beer. What's uh, what's his name? Paul yeah. Hyatt. So now he has the Rising Star Wines. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've come across his name somewhere. Yeah, Probably. So he's a certified a beer judge. And yeah. he's been involved in a lot of um, beer judging at Perth World Beer Show. He's awesome. going to the U.S. as well 
to be a volunteer at the World Beer Cup. Awesome, which is this year, isn't which it? Which is this yeah. year, absolutely, in Nashville, Tennessee, and at the in the first uh, of May. So we're pretty excited. Yeah, so he's still a great brewer. He's made some fantastic beers over the years. We started home brewing together in 1991. Yeah, cool. And You're dating um, yourself, even now, though huh? he. Uh, <laughs> Even though he's into wine now, he still loves beer, and, and so do we. So a 75 IBU American Barley Wine was the off-piece selection of the year, and actually, right now, it's drinking exceptional. And it's a good yeah. thing we saved a pallet of kegs. <laughs> That's the, the the American Barley Wine does hold up over time, similar to that, mm. that Belgian style, so... It's not too off-piste for you guys. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, different yeast, and not certainly not Belgian yeast. Um, I did put a few Belgian malts in there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming out now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not exactly fully off-piste, but yeah, <laughs> just slightly off the trail. And tell them about our this year's off-piste. Yeah, beer, so this year we did a Texas Brown Ale. There was a famous beer called Pete's Wicked Ale. Uh, that was uh, in famous in Texas and around, and, and just goes great with barbecue. Uh, and now that American barbecue is becoming really popular here, we knew it was a trend that was going to happen, and, mm. and so we brewed uh, Texas Brown. But uh, we may just brew this year an off-piece for next year, which will be a Russian Imperial Stout. Awesome. So, <laughs> so we're going bigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not afraid. Yeah. So after homebrewing for... You said 91 you started. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back to the start now. Mm-hmm. How did how did Artisan start then after sort of all that time homebrewing? When, when and how? After, after sure homebrewing as well. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, although I enjoyed doing beer, I still enjoyed wine. And and um, and then going through the American Brewers Guild uh, and... Uh, and uh, we had an epiphany trip to Belgium yeah. in yeah. 2006. Yeah, and that helped too. Um, That's really what set the course for but, us. Uh, yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, the yeast really interested me, and really going there was really spectacular to see all these different flavors. So there was, you had a golden ale in one town, but a few kilometers down the road, another town had a different golden ale that was slightly different, and, and um, or it could be completely different. And uh, it was really exciting to see so many different beer flavors. And that was one of the reasons we didn't do a core range to start. We just said, well, let's just keep brewing different styles that we like so we'll do Arden style beers we'll do Flanders style beers and Brussels beers and all kinds of things and we said our customers will tell us so uh, yeah here we are doing all kinds of things now and still doing it Was there anywhere in Belgium that you just you had that moment of like wow this is exactly what I want to do Oh Cantillon was certainly a great visit (laughs) or the Sours but replicating those, we knew it would take would years to do yeah. true lambics. So yeah. we haven't done one yet, but we're, it's in the it's cards. In we're the planning cards. on that. Yeah, awesome. Stay yeah. tuned. So yeah. Open ferment yeah. and all, sorry, yeah. cool ship yeah, Well, what we needed to do at Boston was work out with the brewer there where we could do kinds of sour beers. And they're doing some now, too. So we have an isolated area in the brewery where we can do those kinds of things. Awesome. So, and, uh, yeah, so you'll see a lot more barrel uh uh, fermented or barrel aged or sour beers from us in the future. Yeah, cool. I, I really love the Cantillon, mm. the, the tour they give you. I don't know, in 2006, if they just gave you numbers and said walk around? Pretty much let you do your self-guided yeah. tour and you just looked at a space and you said this this has not been touched by yeah. anything <laughs> in 150 years. And it was, it was magical. It was yeah. magical. But I think what appealed to me was 
the sophistication of that beer market in Belgium. I mean, you'd, you'd wake up in the morning and, you know, you'd stroll out on the main street or the square and you'd look down at these bistros and they'd be lined up. And at 10 a.m. in the morning, people are having their beer and you just, in proper glassware, everything was proper and women and men drinking amazing beer and that was we went to so many restaurants we toured the entire country went to the hop regions we went to the whole we went to the whole area of belgium and we were just amazingly excited about how unique it was in in europe and yet Mm. you go to france it's all about wine and you go to germany it's all about a different type of beer which is a pilsner which is fantastic but belgian had that uniqueness and that sophistication that we thought is there a way to bring a little bit of that to Australia? Because we had our wine hats on at the time, and we thought, is, is Australia ready for that? And we think it is. And, and so far, the response has been overwhelmingly, yes, the, the, you know, we are ready for it. So we, we couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier for the decision. Have you been back to Belgium since? On the cards. We're okay. planning a trip next year. Absolutely. It's been far too long. Yeah, it's interesting. We lived in London between 99 and 2001, we used to drive over to Belgium. <laughs> and, oh, the good old days. Um, we spent a lot of time over there. And we did try some of the beers, but uh, but it, we didn't take us out to places that we went in 2006, uh, such as St. Bernardus and West Vlederen and some of the top uh, producers. And it was fantastic to see those beers firsthand, get tours of the breweries. And, and one yeah, of the things really we're talking about doing, which we hope to be able to talk about more formally, is doing a collaboration with a Belgian brewery. Awesome. And that is something that's in the cards as well. When so you say a Belgian brewery, do you have one in mind? Yes, that you we can't? do. Okay. We do. We have a good, we developed a good friendship when we did that trip in 2006. And well, we'll keep that a secret. We'll yeah, keep yeah, it a secret, yeah. but yeah. It, it, he's, he's very keen and we're very keen and it's just a matter of finding because I don't, if, if you may or may not know, but in the U.S., Belgians are taking off like nobody's business. Yes. So this this good friend is very busy in the United States market, so we're going to catch up with him in Nashville and hopefully be able to set some dates for him to come to Australia with us. So uh, uh, I, stay I, tuned. I have some names in my head, which I'm going to ask you off mic who it might be. But let's talk about the future. Uh not having your own brewery, is there ever any plans to do that, or are you just happy doing what you're with the, the Boston guys? Yes, is there something uh, else you're going to have to tell me off, Mike? It, it's yes and no. Okay. Um, we're waiting for the right opportunity. We have a few offers and a few uh, options on the cards for partnerships going into breweries, and we looked at doing our own thing some years ago. But right now it's working so well at Boston, and uh, we have a great a relationship with them um we want to keep that going i think brian would love to have a big brewery with a lot of stainless steel in it but i'll be really honest with you i think most consumers most of our fans it's not about where you brew it it's not about what you brew it on it's about what shows up in the glass at the end of the day Hmm. and it becomes very clear to me that um you don't need a showcase brewery to to put out great beer we we put out amazing beer and a relatively small brewery and um, we were just talking to somebody probably a week ago about oh well there's this old winery that would be an amazing brewery and it's a for sale and and you get very excited about it but we're lucky we can concentrate as gypsy brewers on the product on the brand we don't have to worry about the operations of a brewery which is no small feat and so we feel quite lucky in that we're unencumbered by that responsibility we can really focus on the beer so that's what we're doing and i hope we continue to do it but as brian said there's a lot of opportunities right now 
a lot of people are approaching us. We don't know what the next year will bring. All, all I know is we've been doubling in size since we were born. And right now we are flat out trying to keep up with that demand. So we'll see how it all... Tr- yeah, when, when we go national, then you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up? All I would say is I just want to thank all of the fans of your program because it's really the people that are that are willing to take a chance that are out there exploring that make our job so easy because because we're gypsy brewers we don't have a tasting room we don't have a brew pub we don't get to see our fans but we see them at festivals and when they come up and go oh my god i love your beer it just it makes our job so worthwhile and it's really wonderful to connect with people in victoria we will get here eventually but honestly, it's worth a trip to come to WA. It's worth a trip to come to Denmark. So we would welcome you. And if you do, let us know you're coming. And we'll happily give you a brewery tour, tank samples, all that fun stuff. So It's a good, good answer to that question. It's probably one of the best I've had. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing more on what you're up to in the future. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, appreciate thank you very much. Welcome back. How was that? I guess I don't I'll know. find out when I listen to it. Okay? Yeah. We just got some new beers. We did. You got an old mate. Old mate. From, from Moondog. Moondog. Your old mate. And I Tasting got a, as good as ever. I got a beer rocker from Social Bandit. Yeah, that's good. Who we've talked about needing to go on the, to get on this show and we haven't ever got around to it. Have we? Did we decide how we want to do it? Should we go up? Maybe. A little ticky tour? I mean, you won't have to... Twist my arm to go up to the high yeah. country that much, yeah. Let's do some recommendations. Sure. Why don't you start? I always start. All right. Yeah, because I always say it, and then I say, I know, what do you got yeah. for us, Dave? Uh, I think we've recommended this before. This <laughs> this is going to be the new eye tale. Are we doing the beer? Yeah, I'm going to go for okay. a beer. Um, but this is the beer. So lately I've been going, wandering down to my, my local shop, Mr. West in Footscray, grabbing a, a selection of beers, mostly pills and lager, you know, a couple of these, a couple of that. Maybe a, a pale, and then like I'll buy a mix six or whatever, and the six every time for the last three or four times has been Sonic Prayer for Modus Operando. Definitely a repeat, but definitely deserving because so that good. is such a good beer. Yeah. Um, the last one. How I is had, the bottle shop? Because when I went to Mister West, the bottle shop wasn't done yet. It's cool. Yeah. It's um. Look, if I'm if I'm brutally honest, pricing is a couple of bucks more than a lot of places. Okay. Which is a little bit of a shame. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs of rent and pricing, so like I don't want to, you know, I, it's not enough to make me not shop there because their selection's good and they're really cool guys. Sure, and they give me on point wine recommendations. Though I would have thought that it'd probably be less if anything. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the last one I had was I looked at the the canned on date. I think it was canned on. Pretty sure it was just under two months. Yep. Just tasted great. Still, yep. still within that Absolutely. delicious window. I like I've tried a few of their beers lately. Former tenants. Are Different beast, but I still think I like Sonic Prayer better. The Future Factory, that hazy IPA, whatever, yeah. or the double or whatever it was, I'll go back to Sonic Prayer anytime. Yeah, yeah, the, the Future Factory I didn't love. Yeah. They've got a new one coming out, which I think is a hazy. Um, I'm sure it is, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to send us a couple of bottles. Bottles? A couple of cans, yeah, okay. sorry. Uh, I don't know when that arrives, but yeah, motor, yeah uh, the Sonic Prayer, absolute winner. Yeah, it's so good, so good. 
Um, good rec. Des- I can multiple deserving. I reckon. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, yeah, it might be my favourite IPA in the country. If I'm thinking about IPAs, and there's a few, couple of others that might get that title, but I've had some not great ones. Yeah, fair call. It's a pretty big conversation itself. I reckon yeah. that one. Anyway, um, I'm going to go with uh, another. No, well, that's not another new release, but a new release. Um, the Fresh Hop IPA from Red Hill. That almost snuck into mine. So they have two Fresh Hop beers. I actually probably enjoyed... They had the Fresh Hop IPA and the Fresh Hop ESB. I probably enjoyed the ESB more because it was outstanding. But I'm recommending the IPA because as soon as I smelt it, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is a legit aggressive American IPA, West Coast IPA, which is doesn't really uh, feel like it would come from Red Hill. It's not what they do, is I it? I don't know who brewed it, like, but it's not what they do, but it was really good, yeah. Here's an interesting thing. There used to be... Because they're known for the classic style. Yeah. So that's kind of their, their, their speed. There is all, there's a thing with classic, cl- classic car clubs where, you know, it's always like had to be a car over 30 years old. But then it got to a point where it was like cars made in the 80s could be a classic car. Why is that? What, what, what changed? Um, well, just time. Like, right. You know, they, they had to put an arbitrary thing on classic cars. So then, like, is the West Coast IPA now just a classic style? Like, are we at that point where it's no longer this brash upstart? It can sit with... I think as soon as Hazy IPA came along, West Coast IPA became a statesman, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, Pilsner... There's no juice coming out of Red Hill, I'll tell you that right now. For a, Until the next... I don't know what IPA iteration. Oh, um, oh it's already been decided. Well, yeah, I <laughs> it's been decided. Yeah, We've okay. decided. No, I was reading a really interesting article about um, IPA brut brut. How do you say that? The champagne brut brut. brut, right. brut. Um, this technique of making really incredibly dry, low bitter IPAs. Uh, I can't remember the finer points. I remember reading it and going, "Tell me more." This sounds ridiculous, and then I read more. I'm like. Yeah. Sounds ridiculously interesting. Yeah. Apparently, it's taking off in uh, I think San Diego at the moment. Okay, y- you probably heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, because um, I read one article and forgot about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty greedy from San Diego, if I'm being honest. Because uh, yeah, they had, the be s- had the best concentration of IPA I've ever had in my, I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. I, I really good good work. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I kind of want to buy another bottle of it tonight. Yeah. Non beer. Non-beer? Do, um, do you want me to go back to back or are you going to go with the... No, I'll go. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary that had been coming up on my Netflix recs a lot and I just kind of ignored it. Um, do you remember NBA Street Volume 2? I don't actually. Have we talked about it? Possibly. Okay. I don't even know what that is. Like, what oh, is it's NBA like the Street? best basketball game of all time. Oh, okay. Uh, like, hands down. Sorry, NBA Jam. Okay. I'm sorry, 2K, whatever. I mean, obviously you haven't played 2K lately because you wouldn't be saying that. You've never played NBA Street Volume 3? I guess not, yeah. Uh, Okay, Volume 2, sorry. Um, All right, I won't tell that anecdote. Basically, it's a documentary about two dudes. um, One's kind of white and dorky. The other one's Latino. And they lived in Brooklyn and they started like a college radio show. It was kind of this overnight radio show from like 12 p.m. to 5 a.m. That's a big shift. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And basically it was... Him DJing, the white dude DJing, and Bobito talking on the mic. And they'd just get 
rappers into freestyle over the top of records they liked. So like B-sides and random beats and nothing commercial or whatever. And because it was just like such a weird mix of music, like it wasn't music that anyone else was playing, all the rappers were like, shit, this is great. This is the music we, we, we like. And so they had like Wu-Tang Clan and Biggie and Jay-Z and like all the big names from the 90s before they were big were coming through and freestyling on this show. And so they were doing like a, um, there's a documentary about all that and it had a lot of footage and a lot of like originally recorded verses from it. And they, so they just told the story of this this weird little oddity in the, the radio world. Yeah, if you're into hip hop, even if you're into music and good documentaries, it's a really cool little snapshot. Like the footage of them just jamming in the booth with some, you know, like the Wu-Tang Clan, just kind of partying around, messing around. That is fun. They know that it's four did, o'clock in the morning. How did NBA Street Volume 2 come up there? So, okay, go on. Um, Bobito was like the commentator of that. Oh, so okay. His his part of that, like he was kind of on the court. You know in street ball they have someone on the court sure. with a microphone? He was that dude in that Love game. It. And he would like, you know, he's a, a very charismatic dude. So if you've played that game, you know him from that Fun. game. Fun. That's um, good. Really cool documentary. That is really cool. And also, I mean, I love when you hear about something and then you go, is it on Netflix? Yeah, and someone Netflix. says yes. Yeah. And you go, yes. <laughs> Easy accessibility. Um, good rec. I like it. Uh, my rec is going to be a technological automation recommendation. Okay. Wait, was that a little freestyle just then or? It was, like <laughs> When you hear the name of it, you'll know it is. Um I'm going to recommend an app on, I don't, I don't know if it's on iPhone, but it's definitely on Android called um, If This Then That. Uh, and you can find it under IFTTT. Um, and essentially, it's just uh, expanding on all the automated features of your smartphone device. So there's a heap of different automations you can do. But for, for example, a couple of things you can do is you can set a radius around your house that'll turn off your Wi-Fi when you leave it and turn it back on when you come in. So uh, you're not wasting batteries trying to find Wi-Fi points or whatever. Same thing goes for a lot of Bluetooth or whatever. Um, you can do, uh, you, you can subscribe to change your wallpaper to whatever the NASA photo of the day is, which I've got this lovely thing right now. Oh, I, don't know what, I don't know what that is, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it's a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I show my girlfriend, she goes, what's that? I, go, I, I, I don't know. But it's the wallpaper of the day. Is she, is she impressed or? Rarely. Okay. Rarely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot uh, more functional and useful uh, automations there. Other than boring your girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like the uh, Wi-Fi one. The Wi-Fi one's a, a good good thing to have. Yeah, and you can set up multiple uh, multiple uh, zones as well. So like, if you've got three places where you always use Wi-Fi, you can turn it on and turn it off as you go in and out of those places. Yeah, cool. Yeah, very useful. So if this, then that. Look it up. Check it out. Love it. You can find us at aleofatime.com. Absolutely. Uh, where can they find you, Dave? Uh, at Dave on Twitter and Instagram. You can send me an email at daveataleofatime.com. You can even subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash aleofatime. Uh, I don't think we have anything in the pipeline right now oh, but we will I promise yeah in my head in the pipeline that's really cool it just needs to get out there again I think in the past the our track record is speaking for itself at the moment so yeah, stick with us opening those Patreon, uh, Patronus bottles 
Yeah, uh, I still haven't. Did I have mine? I don't know. I don't think I did. Oh. So I've still got mine sitting in the cupboard somewhere. Tell you what, closing doors on a beer cupboard makes you forget about anything you've got. <laughs> um, I forgot I had a whole cupboard. And I opened it and went, good Lord. Got to get a spreadsheet. What is it? Buddy, oh, we've already this, talked. this, then, this, yeah, yeah, exactly. Luke at alloftime.com to email me. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Also check out my conspiracy podcast, the Hypothetical Institute. What's coming up next on the Hypothopod? Oh, we've, we've been doing a lot of records for future shows at the moment, so my brain's a little bit fried even yeah, thinking okay. about it. So fun stuff, fun stuff. Uh, cheers, Dave. Cheers. <laughs>